Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of the Brisbane Football Review. We've got a whole lot to talk about. A very, very busy weekend in Queensland and Australian football. It's James Scott and Adam here with you on this Wednesday evening as we're waiting for the weather to decide if it wants to be sunny, rainy or something else completely different. Adam, how are you? I'm good, James. How are you? How are you, Scott? Speaking That's of four good. seasons in one day, I'm a bit distracted by the Australian Open, but no, it's not another good weekend for the Roar, isn't it? A couple of wins down in Sydney and... And an interesting result on Sunday in the A-League. Yeah, I, I would uh, quote Gennaro Gattuso uh, for the summary of the weekend. You know, sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think we'll just stick with that as is. And yes, I've got the tennis on in the background too. So this could be a very uh, interesting recording session like last week was. But anyway, we've got a whole lot to talk about as well. We've got A-League, W-League, FFA Cup and NPL as well. Uh, before we get into that, we've got our usual plugs. Facebook, The Raw Review. We're still working on changing that, but there's been some other stuff going on with Facebook in the last couple of weeks as well. Uh, Twitter, at BNE Football. On both of those social accounts, you can find live coverage of selected uh, Football Queensland matches and every Brisbane Raw A and W League match. And on top of that, uh, you can find the podcast on Wooshka, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, and also on the A-League Live app, as well as uh, we're very pleased to have another loyal listener willing to help sharing out the good word of the Brisbane Football Review I like to think that this is definitely the best podcast the three of us are on and I'm pretty sure the two of you would agree right Scott I don't know that NPL Sunday show coming back soon is pretty damn strong oh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> all three of us though but yes, and uh, if you do want to get in touch with us, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Any comments, questions, discussion points, segment ideas. If you just want to say that, you know, I'm a horrible host and they should try and find someone taller, maybe the other two will wind up reading that at some point and take it on board. As they just, there's an awkward <laughs> silence there just on this Skype call right now. Just think about the but... MPL Sunday show. <laughs> yes, well, yeah, except unlike the host of that, I can get most of my introductions done in one take. Oh, how oh. dare you? How dare you? <laughs> those those tapes have been incinerated, and there's no evidence to the contrary. Believe what you will, Scott. We should probably get into discussing uh, the weekend of Brisbane Raw action, and as always, we're going to lead off with our A-League recap, and we've got all the goal highlights from Sunday afternoon up at Moreton Bay Daily Stadium for you right now. And that was a wonderful recap of every goal that was scored at Moreton Daily Stadium, thanks largely in part to the offside flag. Adam, well, look, the win took centre stage, but I still thought, just watching the match, it was a fairly lively encounter between two sides that have had their share of history between them. Yeah, look, it was... Um, yeah, the wind obviously played a certain part in it, but um, I wouldn't... Uh, it seems to be that, that is the major tagline on the game. You know, the game was pretty much blown away, and I, I thought that's probably a bit harsh, you know, sort of to, in um, sort of summary, because I thought it was still a very, very uh, entertaining game of football on Sunday night, and uh, it's just the only thing that was missing was actually a goal. And uh, look, two of those were... Two of those were denied by the offside flag, and another one was denied off the post, and the other one, by miraculous save by Jack Duncan. Yeah, I, I think the wind actually did blow the game away, if you look at it. It was the worst... Oh, that was an awful pun. Well, he, Adam started it. He used the same one 15 seconds earlier, and you missed it then, so wake up, host. But I, it, it, it was the worst that's been up there at Dolphins. I mean, we, have to get, we have to expect it, because it is close to the bay, so I think that's going to be something to get used to it, but... When both coaches in their first 15 seconds of their press conference come out and say that the wind affected the game, I think it's fair to say that the wind did affect the game, and it was pretty evident. Not just the obvious stuff like the goal kicks where the ball was actually going backwards by the end of it. was That was obvious, but even with the Raw's passing game, James, when they try those cross-field switches from, from one side to the other, you could see that wasn't going right just with the wind holding the ball up or sending it too far. So I do think it had an impact on the game, but to Adam's point, both sides did have more than enough chances to to actually win the game one way or the other. And the Raw had two in the back of the net, ruled out by the offside flag and over the goal line. So there were enough chances in the game, but the wind had a huge impact. 
And I might have both correctly as well ruled out. Yeah. yeah. Could VAR not stuff up just once to help the roar out? That just <laughs> just once. That's all I ask. Because like yeah, it wasn't even close on the uh, Riku offside for the second goal that was called back. But look, if they had have said there wasn't a clear camera angle for the first disallowed goal, wouldn't have complained about it. Just just saying, you know. But anyway, um, one thing that really did stand out for me as well is when the Raw have been uh, really, you know, crushing it in their games against Adelaide, against Melbourne Victory, who, it has to be said, there's a chance that those two teams might actually just be not as good as we'd hoped and the Raw were just beating up on teams in a bad way. But it did seem like the Raw, you know, going back to the MacArthur game, that frantic style of play, you know, from that Melbourne Victory game especially really did catch up with them and I, that's the one thing that I am a little bit worried about with the side going forward is how are they going to handle what is going to be a very congested schedule because to me they've just looked tired in the last couple of games and just haven't quite had that same spark it's possibly a bit of tiredness and lack of spark it's also quite possibly that teams have almost worked the war out to a certain extent the fact that they played the Adelaide game Adelaide did not see that coming whatsoever I know they kind of said they did I don't believe that the way the Raw set up that night. I don't think Adelaide were prepared for it at all. Victory were all over the place and they were never really in the game whatsoever. But the last two games, MacArthur and Newcastle, it seems like both have taken a different approach to the way they set up. They sit a little bit deeper. They're aware of the fact that the Raw like to try and get Wenzel Halls in behind, so they cut that out. They look to try and prevent the Raw from getting the crosses in from the wider areas. So I think they just need to just maybe tweak a little couple of little things in the way they go about building up because... It just seems like teams have have come up... Have, I think MacArthur kind of showed a blueprint of if you've got the players to do it. We talked about it last week, of what you can do to nullify the rule. And I think Newcastle took a leaf out of that page and it worked pretty effectively for them as well. Yeah, no, look, I, I, I agree about MacArthur. I think they're a very well-coached side, very well-drilled side, and they came with an obvious game plan uh, against the Raw side that may have been sort of, you know... Sort of, you know, almost redlining after the um, after the victory game. Whereas in the Newcastle game, I think it was more a case of um, where it just yeah they could that the Raw couldn't execute on their plan, and I think Newcastle were good enough. Um, and they're, they're obviously sort of resurgent. They had a horror start to the season, but ever since sort of their their ownership issues have been so sort of stabilised, they actually look like you know a, fa- a fairly decent team. I think in the next few weeks, it's going to prove that you know they may be one of the um, better teams. That just but just had a just a really awful start to the season. So yeah, I think um, the Raw definitely they they need to have more than one game plan. Then we've shown, and Warren Moon's shown that you know this side does have um, a couple of strings to their bow. Uh, it's just a matter of sort of, yeah, implementing before they sort of get caught out again. And the, the uh, match on Saturday night against Sydney FC is going to be a fair test on where they've learnt from the past week. Absolutely. All right. So those are our initial thoughts on the game. We've got a bit more to come back to. But first, let's hear from Brisbane Royal manager Warren Moon on his thoughts. Yeah, look, we've got a clean sheet, so there's positives to take. Our performance defensively was strong. Um, but I'm sure Deansy would agree Uh the wind made that a really difficult game tonight. So when we talk about creating chances, it was slightly different to Tuesday night that uh, the uh, the wind played a fairly big factor in the game and probably the quality of the game. No one wants to play uh, scrappy games, but uh, you know we have to negotiate the the conditions. And defensively, we did that tonight. Uh, would have loved us to have been a bit better on the ball, but obviously taking into account what I just said about the conditions, it's uh, yeah, we take the point. Yeah, that's right. If they're if they're no goals, no goals. But uh, you know, we one thing I'll say tonight: we uh, we we still did create some good chances. Not as many as we'd like. Not as polished a performance as we'd like. Uh, but uh, certainly on the balance of the game, we created more than they did in terms of chances in the final third. So. And that was Warren Moon after the match. Thanks to the Raw for sending that audio through from the press conference. Um, yeah, the one thing that, you know, I, well, if you really want to look for a stretch silver lining, it was the Raw's first clean sheet of the season. So, you know, it, it was a good reward, I would say, for Jamie Young, Macaulay Gillespie, Kai Truard and Tom Aldred, who you know, have been putting in plenty of work and obviously Gillespie is suddenly, you know, trying to turn himself into some variation of Christopher Samba and Franz Beckenbauer. But 
he, like he he's doing uh, a really good job and yeah you know clean sheet it's nothing to be sneezed at yeah look you gotta look for the positives I guess in in that game on Sunday night and a clean sheet you know I guess is is one um, of those and yeah look because I think I I actually think that you know that the back the back three if you want to call it, plus the two wing backs I actually think they've actually put better shifts in and have been scored upon than sort of you know than getting the clean sheet so it's actually probably a good reward for them. Just on that clean sheet, does anyone remember when the last time the Raw kept a clean sheet in the A-League was? Um, I had to just look it up. I completely um, forgot. Yeah. I'm, go- I'm going to... I'm going to guess it would have been in the... Actually, I did. Either... Hang on. Yep. Was it March 13th against the Central Coast Mariners before the A-League went into... Oh, no, no, Newcastle no. the week after. It was yeah, Newcastle. Newcastle yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yep. There we go. So it's been a while. Yeah, so... And look, we all know, you know, Warren Moon being wired the way he is, he's always going to want his sides to go all out attack. And let's be honest, it's much more fun to watch a side just going for broke like the Raw have done, even if they do give up two, uh, two, you know, like they did against the Victory or give up one against Adelaide. But it's just been, it was a different sort of game, and they did have to contend obviously with the um, conditions, but. With the issue of fatigue, I was a little bit surprised with the fact that we just didn't see any changes, uh, any real noticeable changes to try and freshen up the side, especially considering the players that they had on the bench. Yeah, they made two changes to the starting lineup. James had brought in, obviously, Daly and Jack Hingott, which we kind of expected last week on the show. So they freshened the starting lineup up a little bit, but there was only that one change made in the game, wasn't there? Ramon Akbari came on, he added a bit of energy to the midfield, but the Raw did have some attacking weapons on the bench they could have turned to in the last 20 minutes if they so chose, but they didn't. They left them off, off, off the field. So I think the game was going pretty well for the Raw for the majority of it. They weren't lacking creativity. They didn't look like they were running out of legs. It just wasn't quite working for them in the second half. So I can kind of see why they, he didn't make any changes, but there was a little bit of Franz Tyson about it, wasn't there, with the fact that you've got an obvious solution on the bench there were like Masato Kudo, and all of a sudden he doesn't come on. So I thought that was odd. I thought five, ten minutes to go, throw him on, see if he can cause some chaos in the penalty area, maybe maybe, maybe nick a goal and get a bit of confidence. I would have probably done that, but other than that, I can't really fault it because it was young players on the bench like Parsons and um, Jelicic, I think it was on the bench that day because Champions is unavailable. So I can understand why he didn't put those players on, but... I thought Kudo was worth a chance for at least five ten minutes. Well, well, oh, I will say there is one very big difference between uh, Warren Moon and Franz Tyson. Moon, I feel like, doesn't make the changes because he's got faith in the guys that are out there and he doesn't want to try and upset the balance. And he doesn't play Tyson midfielders at centre-back. <laughs> that too. And Tyson also doesn't... Um, and Tyson, I feel like, didn't make the changes. A, because he was uh, competing on two fronts. And B, because I feel like he always kind of lost track of the uh, clock as well. Well, Warren Moon did explain in the press conference that the reason why he limited his changes was simply that the conditions were too tough to bring in someone to make a um, to these other players to sort of make any impact. Like, obviously, bringing Akbari on for daily was sort of... It's a, it's a like-for-like and sort of variations. But at the end of the day, it looked like that, you know, there was nothing really there as far as the next factor goes beyond beyond that like you, you take you bring kudo on for you know for one of the front for the one of the front three and you're really not gaining much so i think that was that was the reason he did give at the press conference that at the end of the day you weren't going to get much impact because of the conditions yeah well you know needs must and obviously it is going to be a very long very busy season but i don't know like, I, I suppose you know encouraging way as well at least this way, you know, Scott McDonald still looked like he was uh, trying to run things out. Obviously, we've seen him get a bit fatigued towards the end of that uh, victory game, but it seems like, you know, Scott McDonald's a guy who you would probably earmark as the first one that they'd try and manage his minutes just purely because he is such... Well, he is the uh, wily veteran of the squad, but he does look like he's in pretty good shape so far, McDonald. He does, and actually some fool on this show last week thought he might be rested out of the starting lineup. Last week, so this shows what we know around here. But I mean, I I think he was one of the better players on the field on Sunday night. Scott McDonald. He was certainly not wanting for involvement. He was all, he was constantly involved. He was creative. 
he laid on a couple of goal-scoring opportunities, so I thought he had a big impact. And I think it speaks testament, actually, to how fit this Brisbane Raw squad is, the fact that they played three games in eight days, and there wasn't really any thought to, we need to make massive changes. We'll talk about the W League later on as well. I think it speaks to how fit the fit the players are, that they're able to, to press through those three games and run them out quite well. And that's one thing that I've always felt like has been a testament, not just of the successful Raw side, but... Pretty much every successful A-League side has been the ability to really run out games. Now, look, it's one thing to be able to run them out, but you've also got to be able to score and defend at the end of matches as well. But, yeah, the sides that always seem to be very successful have two common elements that have nothing to do with footballing ability. It's fitness and it's togetherness. And I do think this uh, side overall, like, I I know you can only take so much off, you know, what you see in the interviews and the players' social media, but... It does seem like this is a side that is very much together and you know, willing to back each other through their things. Now, speaking of the best player on the pitch, we need to get into our 3-2-1s for this uh, Newcastle match. And because of our rotation policy, it is my turn to do the 3-2-1s. As I just make sure Adam and Scott aren't looking at me like I'm very, very confused. That's correct. Right, there we go. All right, so my three points, Corey Brown, look up. I keep saying it. Remember when everyone thought that it was a complete joke and he would completely ruin the Raw when he came back? Like, Moon's given him a, lease, a new lease of life even more so than what we saw last season and continues to be really impressive. Riku, yeah, look, he came out here for a challenge and he's really living up to it so far. And Scott's favourite player, Jay O'Shea, for one point as well. As... Here we go again. <laughs> look, look, I'll be honest, I... When they signed him, I thought he was going to play number 10, but the way that he's been using that sort of deeper-lying midfield role occasionally coming forward, it's amazing how it's bringing out the best of his skills. And, you know, it's something that has turned out to be a really good bit of coaching heading into this current season now. And I'm going to get a sign that says that next week, just in case you bring it up again. (laughs) It is interesting about Ricky, though, isn't it? You think about he's here online, and a lot of people want him to desperately stay here, and... If he keeps up this form line he's got at the moment, I don't think he's going to be in the A-League for much longer. It looks like he'll go from playing in the A-League to rocketing back into that J-League side because he's in terrific form and he's really showing what a great player he is. I think about and about Rick, about Riku. Um, look, we, I think we just go and enjoy it while it lasts because he's 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 gone at the end of the season, not because of you know anything other than he's probably you know going to be back in demand in the J-League. So I think we just go and enjoy it while we can. And another play, and just while we're on that, another play that I feel like he's probably going to be playing his last season in the A-League just because he's doing too damn good of a job is Macaulay Gillespie. Highly possible. It's highly yeah. possible. He's having a great season as well. Mm. Now, before we move on to the W-League, I have a trivia question that I want want to run by the two of you. Of the 12 A-League managers, how many played in the A-League? I'm going to give you 10 seconds to answer just while you're thinking, trying to work out how many of the 12 A-League managers have played in the A-League. Hey, get okay, off that's Google, ten- Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, what's your answer? As I can see Scott reading what's on ten? his screen right. Adam? Um, I'm going to say... Uh, I'm going to say 10 as well. Well, I thought that would be a tough question. I do my math. There's only two that haven't, isn't there? Yeah. Who are the two? Well, Robinson's one. Carl Robinson and Craig Dean. And Stadzic. Robinson and Stadzic. Oh. Boom. Oh, hang on. Craig Dean's played for Newcastle, didn't he? Did he play for... Oh, yes, he did. Sorry, yeah. Two matches. Oh, yes, he did. Sorry, yep. Okay, and this is a little teaser for those of you that uh, frequent one of the websites I uh, do my day job for. Uh, this, we have a Friday quiz, and I just want. To, this is also a good way to see if anyone from work listens, which I'm fairly certain they don't. So this should be fine. Now they know where James gets his his quizzes from for that feature. Yeah, I, I contribute certain questions. Of the ten A League managers, how many of them played for the club that they're currently managing? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> what? What was that, Scott? <laughs> uh, did I hear? No, you heard nothing. Did I hear a word that was previously. Res- <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Six. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm your seven. I'm your seven. 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 Oh no, sorry. No. It's seven. No, it's seven. Yeah. Okay. Name, name so them. This that sheet of mine is finally paying off. 
So, yes. So, there were seven. Yep. All right. Well, since since you've got the stat sheet, Scott, do you want to name them? Okay. So, Carl Vitt with Adelaide. Yep. Yep. Warren Moon Brisbane, obviously. Patrick Isnorbo. Played for City briefly. Yep. Oh, yeah. Grant Brebner at Victory. You yep. just mentioned Craig Dean's two games for Newcastle. Garcia at Perth. Yep. We've got Corica at Sydney. Yep. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Well done. Is there a okay, prize well, for this? Uh, yes. Uh, it means if you take the quiz we put up on Friday, you'll actually uh, get a bonus point to start off. Oh, with man. I expose myself as a stat nerd, and that's all I get for it. <laughs> Pride and dignity. Okay. Both out the window. Forevermore. Yeah, that that started about four and a half, five years <laughs> yeah. ago. When when did we start doing this? A hundred and something episodes ago. Yeah. We really should count up, because I'm pretty sure we've topped 150. We went through that. We might have gone through that late last season. Should also mention as well, anyone listening in Victoria, the fantastic news that it seems like their lockdown is coming to an end. So hopefully these sorts of uh, snap lockdowns and everything are going to be a thing of the past as this year moves on. It is. Because it's obviously quite tough on everyone involved and you can understand there's a bit of frustration creeping in. Um, Still causes delay for the Raw though, James, because they're not going down to City away next weekend. Yes. That game got postponed today. Yes, and Brisbane against Perth has been brought forward and that's the news segment. Let's move on to the W League because that was an awesome weekend to watch that side as they played. Uh, Zay went on a Sydney road trip and returned with six points and continue to close in on Sydney FC on the top of the ladder. Now, because the match is six days old, we're not going to go into too much detail in their 2-1 win over the Western Sydney Wanderers, but I get the feeling that there's one key takeaway that the three of us all had, and it was a fantastic save that Morgan Aquino had at the end of that match, wasn't it, Scott? It was an absolutely terrific save from Morgan Aquino, making her debut for the Brisbane Raw player number 97, for those of you playing along at home with the Raw W League debuts, but it was... A game where didn't Morgan didn't really have to do too much. It was wasn't required to make too many saves, but that save in stoppage time is, first of all, from her perspective, would have been hugely confidence boosting to be able to step up after sitting on the bench for the whole season and make that crucial save when the team needed it from her. And it's also just it's a massive one in terms of the context of the season. We'll talk about the Sydney result in a moment, but if that goal, if the Wanderers score there. And they're all only get a point from the from the first leg of that Sydney double header. All of a sudden, they're not as it's not as big in terms of the context of the season. So that save could have changed everything for the Brisbane Roar in relation to potentially where they finished first or second in terms of the table at the end of the year. It was it was that, it's that big. It's a tremendous bit of goalkeeping, which is the first and foremost. But the context of what it could mean for the Raw takes it to a whole other level. Yeah, and just overall, the confidence they would have taken from that game really did carry over from the uh, weekend. But, you know, I was a little bit concerned when Lena Kamis opened the scoring in the 14th minute, but Emily Gilnick, two minutes later, got them right back in the match, and she's really come into her own since moving centrally, which was suggested by somebody on this show a while ago, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, um, like I said, it, it only seemed like only a few weeks ago where people were starting to question about um, about her form and whatnot. And all of a sudden, she's um, she's joined her golden boot leader with uh, with Michelle Heyman. So, and look, it's probably more chance at the moment that um, that Emily Gilnick will probably go right by um, by Heyman in those standings. So, yeah, it's it's amazing what a few weeks in football I can do because. Yeah, people were sort of even, and even herself, you could tell it was starting to question um, certain things and starting to doubt, but that that's all been erased in, in you know, a matter of weeks. Uh, allow me to go for the tired cliche of Gilnick looks like a completely different player than the one we saw, you know, at the start of January after that draw with Canberra up at Dolph... At- well, what was then known as Dolphin Stadium. Think about the interview that Emily gave after the game in Newcastle, where... Was cl- she was clearly just down on herself in terms of the fact that she wasn't taking her opportunities. But all of a sudden, since then, it's completely flipped, and it's Emily's gone from the from a striker who's getting a lot of opportunities but not able to take them to I would say the form striker in the W League. And there was there was never a question that Emily wasn't going to get the service this year with players like Katrina Gorry, who's no longer part of the playing squad this year, but lived chance. Letitia McKenna, Tamiki Yellop, there was always going to be chances there. 
and they're starting to get put away now. And I think it's it's a sign that if things weren't as bad as they were we, that we all thought they were after the first four draws. They were trucking along quite nicely, and now you're seeing they're really firing. And the result against Sydney was that's that's huge. I know I know it's it's a top of the table clash, but it was a massive statement more than anything but else. I think as well that you know it, the, the the premiership race is still Sydney's to lose at the moment, but it will be interesting to see how Sydney come out in their next in next fixture. I didn't see who they who they're playing next, um, but but th- those sort of results. Um, and we'll get we'll get to the ga- we'll get to the uh, summary on the game on Sunday shortly. But those sort of results, all of a sudden, they can work in the opposite way. And I think, I'd say that Raw have finally got the momentum. And with their run home, with now that, the, that we know the W League schedule for the rest of the way, look, um, Raw are going to be very, very hard to hold out. And I think it's their Sydney, and the pressure might be back on Sydney, you know, to, to, um, to wrap it up. Yeah, and Sydney obviously would have had their confidence dented. Now, before we get into that game uh, from the weekend... There is one uh, trivia thing that I do want to also ask the two of you as well, Scott. I, oh, not another one. So, yeah? <laughs> you can't hurt the trivia oh, tonight. Yeah, well, I'm trying to make myself sound interesting. It's a really tough job. <laughs> uh, and I could also be very, very wrong about this now on second thoughts, but I've, I'm fairly certain that this was the fir- the Raw W League side were the first team to do... First Brisbane Raw side to do what against Western Sydney Wanderers? I was going to say remain perfect at Marconi, but uh, that's probably too obvious. Weren't they the first team to wear the white away kit in a match? I don't pay enough attention to what other teams do to know the answer to that question. No, no, no. I mean, no, like the, it was the first Brisbane oh, yeah, oh, yeah, because they played their white away kit. They played in the orange down in Mel- in Melbourne, didn't they? Hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. And I can't remember the so, Newcastle away games. I'm pretty sure they were in their uh, orange and black kit as well. So we finally got to see. The Raw's white awake it, and I cannot wait for it to actually get into the shops because it looks really, really good. Okay, Scott, what do you want to add? Well, just before Adam was talking about the run home for both clubs, we know what the Raw's run home is now. They've got three home games against Perth this Sunday, then you've got um, Adelaide and Newcastle mixed in with the Canberra away game. So three games out of four to finish the season. Whereas for Sydney FC, they're at Perth, Perth at Adelaide, home to victory, and at Canberra. So they've got three out of four on the road. So it does. It. I know they do have a game in hand. I believe Sydney FC. But so I do think that having three out of four at home, if the Raw can take advantage of those three home fixtures, they will find themselves right in the hunt coming into that final weekend for the Premiership. I don't think it's over yet. Definitely. Okay. Let's. Uh, that good ship clip is from the Sydney match, wasn't it's it? It's from today, actually. Oh, it's from today. Even better. Um, so we'll get to the Sydney match now, and this is where the, we really got to see the raw side that uh, a lot of us expected at the start of the season. They got off to a flying start to make Yallop open the scoring clear. Wheeler pulled one back for Sydney. Then Rankin uh, got a goal as well. Polkinghorn, bullet header off a corner early in the second half before. An own goal from Jada Wyman. Um, yeah. Uh, Pardon, sorry, I just got completely lost in my own sentence structure there. Uh, the own goal from Jada Wyman, which was credited to Miller Rankin, so maybe we should uh, say that she scored a brace. I have seen this go multiple different ways. Some people say it's an own goal, some people say it's a goal for Jamila Rankin. If I was Jamila Rankin, I'd absolutely be claiming it because it was on target, but to me, I and think she's a defender, so absolutely, but I think it is technically an own goal. I think she's dro- I think Jada Wyman dropped it over the line, so to me, that is. An own goal, but I'm not going to take it away from Jamila Rankin. I thought, in general, her performance on Sunday was superb, wasn't it? I mean, for a young player, to play two games back-to-back 90 minutes was absolutely outstanding. And to, to her ability to get forward, actually, is one of the really good things about it. We saw Carson Pickett really make her make that spot her own in the last three, two or three years as an attacking fullback getting forward. And Jamila Rankin has stepped right into that, James, and... and it hasn't missed a beat. It's, it looks like it always has out there on the left-hand side for the Raw. So, well, they're missing Carson Pickett this year. Jamila Rankin is more than filling those shoes well. It was a tremendous performance. 
I think in our analysis, you know, at the start of the season, I think that was the one area that we were probably a little bit concerned about was that left-back role, given given the, the size of the hole that Carson Pickett left. But, um, look, Jamila Rankin, she, she, she's just been, you know, just getting better and better each game to the point where they're starting to talk about, you know, Matilda's, you know, honours for her at 17 years old. And we, we've always known for a while that she, she, she is a player with tremendous potential, but she has really been delivered, especially in this Sydney trip, Especially, um, we've seen the best, the best of her. Um, and yeah, look, it's uh, yeah, two two goals on the weekend, and um, yeah, she's absolutely flying. And this is what Jay Goodship had to say about that match as well. Yeah, fantastic turnaround. The players were were magnificent, and they put a real good shift in and grind at, at, at times, particularly against Wanderers. And then our focus turned to Sydney, and you can see that how how dominant we were against a good side. That um, yeah, that won't happen to them. I don't think often this season. So yeah. Again, I said they only considered one for the year. Um, after you know a relatively slow start in terms of putting chances away, putting four past a team like yeah. that must be nice. Yeah. Head yeah, very pleasing. We, we never panicked. We obviously got uh, Ricky coming in, and he's part of the staff. We've been working hard of our units, working hard of extras and the training. But it's ultimately down to the players and in buying to what we do and, and not changing what we do. So, yeah, it's coming along nicely. I feel we can still be a lot better in what we do and to be more dominant and still put away more chances, but happy to create them chances in, in the first place. I know a head coach won't single out um, any individual player, but Jamila Rankin on the weekend. It's a very young career, um, but was one of probably the best performance of that young career on Sunday. Yeah, and for Sydney to take their front three off, um, Courtney Vine as well has been trying to be a Matilda. I thought she was no real threat against Jamila. Jamila was fantastic, not just defensively, but going forward as well, and made Courtney get back into her back third, which is unheard of as well this season. So, but also on the right hand side of Winnie Heatley, both our fullbacks were, were were tremendous, and not just in that game throughout the season so far. All right, so that was Jake Goodship at today's uh, media opportunity, and once again, thanks to the Raw for sending that through and giving everyone a break from our three voices. But overall, yeah, I think just the two fullbacks. Heatley and Rankin have just they've come on in leaps and bounds and obviously we know Heatley has been predominantly a centre-back for Lions but it's a fantastic uh, learning experience at W League level getting to play next to the pairing of Kim Carroll and Claire Polkinghorne. It is and it's also a very similar career trajectory to that which Claire Polkinghorne took in the start of her W League career because Claire because of the Raw's strong centre-back pairing back and they actually spent a couple of games out there at right back for the Roar in the first season or so. So it's a similar sort of a path. And I'm sure Winnie Heatley will eventually move into a centre-back role where she'll look more comfortable. But it's going really well right back for at the moment. On this game at the moment, this was, it was a fast start, wasn't it? There were three goals in the first 20 minutes. And it was... The Roar seemed to go out with intent. Adam, you, you watched this more intently than I did because obviously I was travelling up to Redcliffe while it was happening. But it just seemed like the Roar started really, really quickly. Yeah, it was actually a really frenetic start to the game. I think I even called it chaos at one point. Um, there because it, it was a really, really fast start. And both teams actually, you know, should be commended. They actually came out hard. And um, the the uh, goal that the Raw scored through Tamiki up, which was a, which was a great header, um, really sort of, you know, put Sydney on their on their heels. And and then um, I guess we're, we're lauding um, Morgan Aquino for a performance on... Um, on Thursday night, but she did make a very, very costly error that saw um, Claire Wheeler charge down her um, her clearance after a back pass, which sort of, you know, you, th- you thought, you know, oh, Jesus, it's not going well for the youngster. Back pass but was dodgy enough in itself, though, really. It was, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to throw not it throwing completely under, under the, the bus. bus. Yeah, well, yeah, like I said, you still probably should clear it and be aware of it, but yeah, she, she was hung out to dry a little bit, and then... Um, and then the, the second the second goal um, for the Raw came from a just a disastrous mistake from um, Jada Wyman, who basically uh, dropped a sort of a gentle cross almost from uh, Mariel Hecker, and um, Jamila Rankin was, um, I guess, Jenny on the spot to tap in. Yeah, so, look, we, we've talked about it already, what it means for the run home, but I, I'm just still stunned by the uh, turnaround for the Raw W League side. That's now... Four straight wins, and if my maths is correct, also, I think, 16 goals scored in those four games as well, which it's great to see considering the struggles that they had, and all these plays are starting to really come together, and there's so there's so much to look for. It also makes picking our 3-2-1s quite tough, 
But uh, the good news is, for this week, that's your problem. So, uh, who's got the Wanderers 3-2-1s? Yep, I've got the Wanderers 3-2-1. Uh, three points to Emily Gilnick. Um, obviously, two goals. And just really sort of, you know... Drove, after they went behind, really drove home the comeback. And, um, and, and yeah, look, uh, yeah, deserving to play the match for mine. Two points, Morgan Aquino. Um, look, the, the goal at the end probably was the sealer for that. But also, as well, I think she had a very, very good game as well. You know, sort of marshalling troops, especially in her debut game. And one point for Jamila Rankin, who, um, who was, you know, as, as we said before, had a great sort of, you know, road trip down there. But, um... Yeah, look, she had she had a very very strong defensive game um, against uh, Western Sydney. Definitely. Okay, over to you, Scott. Yeah, so for I've the got Sydney this, FC. Absolutely, Sydney FC. Game. Three three points to Tamiki Yellow. I thought she just ran the show on Sunday afternoon down there at Leichhardt Oval and a goal to top it off. So three points for her. Two for Jamila Rankin. One for each goal. I'm giving her. I'm giving her that fourth goal, so she gets two points here and one for Claire Polkinghorne. And one for Claire Polkinghorne because not just for the goal, but just the leadership with which with Claire showed on Sunday in a game which was always going to be a tough one. You need your big players to stand up, and I thought Claire did that as well, so one point for Claire. And I think also as well, it must be said that that Sydney game, yeah, what, you probably could yeah, give them points of you know, six or seven of the, yeah. of the uh, players. that They they all start well, but they're the standouts for mine. Definitely. And coming up this Sunday evening, 6.05pm uh, Brisbane time, they're all taking on Perth Glory at Lions Stadium. Uh, in case you haven't been paying attention, it, Perth are a little bit behind the rest of the. A w little League. bit. They played just three. Oh, they played three matches. <laughs> okay, uh, three matches, one draw, two defeats, two goals scored, four conceded, and understandably on one point. So good news for them is they have four games in hand on the Western Sydney Wanderers. So chances are they will find a way to overtake them in the coming weeks. But it also is setting up for a very big uh, uh, final month or so to the season for Perth Glory. So, Scott, what are you expecting from Sunday's game? Well, they play the Wanderers on Thursday night football in Sydney. So they're starting to catch up these games now. It's quite remarkable, isn't it? The Raw will be kicking off their ninth game of the season on Sunday evening. It will be the kickoff of Perth's fifth, so... It is quite amazing that the situation we're going through with Perth Glory, they're completely unknown. Listening to Jake Goodship's media op-, op today, it's it's hard to know what to expect from them. They only played three games. it's And there was that long. It's not like they played at the weekend either. It's a couple of weeks since Perth have, have been in action in the W League. So they're a really unknown quantity. They're a young side anyway. We know they've lost Sam Kerr and a lot of their other young players. Well, they've got two here at the Raw, Letitia McKenna and Morgan Aquino. I'm sure they're both very much looking forward to potentially starting that game and showing their former employer what they can do but it's hard to know what to expect from Perth Glory because we haven't seen them play Adam? Uh, yeah sorry so look at something um... stop watching <laughs> yeah. the tennis shoe pair <laughs> yeah no look um, I look. I expect uh, the Raw to win and win well um, look it's, it's been, been a hard season for Perth um, as far as those stop start stop start for them, that you know, only three games in the first, you know, in the in the basically the first nine weeks of the season, and they're, they're going to have to catch up. And look, uh, we'll know we'll know more about them um, after they take on the Wanderers, because I think that that's probably a good baseline as far as comparison. But I just think Raw just got too many big guns at the moment, and um, and yeah, they they should win should win well um, in their first home game at Lions. They should, but Perth have got a really good record against the Raw. They've only won one of the last six. Brisbane against Perth, so it's not a great record against them. But they should, they sh- if they're going to be in the contention for the premiership, this is a game they have to win and win well. It is a very young side for Glory. I, I will say this game, I feel like, is going to come down by and large to Jake Goodchip's uh, managerial skills, and as long as he encourages uh, his team and has them in the right mindset before kickoff, uh, I think they'll come out and uh, probably put another four or five pass to Glory. But if they come out and think that they have this game won just by turning up to Lions Stadium, then they could be in for a little bit of a rough afternoon. So it's going to come down to, I would say, the players and their respective mindsets. Okay, now we're going to keep going with our stories from the weekend in place of the news segment as well and talk about the FFA Cup, which kicked off all around Australia this weekend with the most important state competition, Queensland's. 
And there were a bunch of ties uh, across, some with familiar voices in commentary as well. Apologies and to the listeners. I did my best, all right? It wasn't my best effort. I, I, I will fully admit that, but Are you I used to ramble the bus earlier about my hosting. I'm, I'm not missing my opportunity here. Oh, no, no, <laughs> of course not. Um, of course, the game I commentated on was Pine Hills against Rubina City, which finished 5-2, and... Unfortunately, I actually think the best goal from that match was the offside one that would have made it 6-2 to Pine Hills. Fantastic little passing move. Unfortunately, the uh, guy who scored it uh, was, in fact, offside. And you could see him pressing in the final 15 or so minutes trying to get on the score sheet. But, yeah, it, it was one of those games you could tell both sides were still very much in preseason mode and just trying to get themselves up and running. But... Yeah, it, it was good to have uh, football back and good to be back behind the microphone. Scott, what was your big takeaway from the weekend? Oh, if in doubt, go to the self-interest. For me, it's good to see the mighty Acacia Ridge get through in extra time. Bit of a scare against the Tambourine Mountain Eagles, but they managed to slip through 5-3 in extra time there, so they're through to the next round, one of my former clubs. Unfortunately, Ridge Hills got knocked out, so I'm down to one club left in the cup, but it was, it was, I would actually get down there and saw the end of that game. It wasn't a bad... It seemed like it was a pretty level contest actually between the two when I got there, but it just seemed like Tambourine Mountain just ran out of eight legs in the last 15 minutes and Acacia has just finished them off, but it was it is great to see local football back. Adam? Yeah, look, um, uh, there's 31 ties, I believe, across uh, the southeast Queensland zone. There's probably only uh, probably two to three sort of um, surprises. I thought um, AC Karina knocking over Noosa Lions. Um, I know they're not Noosa and not um, they're not sort of pals they were probably a year ago with their their coach now the assistant um, at at the Royal Warren Moon Keith Hearn Evans. Um, but they they still they still Kevin. you know sorry Kevin of course yeah, my my apologies. Um, yeah and um, but AC Karina um, they they were able to to win on Sunday afternoon. Um, the other one that I thought sort of st- stood out was um, Newmarket, uh, which is a known sort of feeder club for Brisbane City. They uh, knocked over. Um, the uh, the Bee Gees. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a, it was a pretty sort of tough weekend for the Sun- Sunshine Coast clubs. Um, yeah. The other one I think it was a bit of a surprise. I thought um, West West Wanderers of, of the Toowoomba League knocking over um, over uh, Kiwana up up in Kiwana. So that that's pretty, so yeah, Sunshine Coast teams. They had a rough uh, weekend, I think, as far as the uh, FFA Cup round two goes. All right, I will go lightning round with my other thoughts as well before we get to you uh, quickly, Scott. First of all, by and large, it was a weekend that did not have a whole lot of uh, drama in it, just solely because like, there were just some massive blowouts, including New Farm United beating Teviot Downs 15-0. to No, that is not a typo. It's um, a 16-goal improvement last time Teviot was in the uh, Cup, so... Also true. Uh, then, yeah, the other thing as well, uh, Pine Hill's talked up their facilities uh, at the James Drysdale Reserve, saying, you know, they were, thought it was one of the best you could get to and on par with some of the NPL clubs. I very much agree with that. It was, yeah. It is a fantastic spot out there and good place to commentate on games as well. Um, you didn't, you didn't come smell from the dump, did you? I did not. The wind was blowing in the right direction. <laughs> and admittedly, I, I was also very nervous about the uh, weather because I was just waiting for that. Like, uh, there was a storm on the radar that was just... It was threatening all night, and I was just thinking, please don't, please don't, please don't, please don't. <laughs> uh, the game I probably should have done would have been, uh, or I would have liked to have done, I beg your pardon, would have been AC Karina Noose Alliance, because I am not that far from the Abruzzo Club. Um, however, I think my wife would have shot me if I had have said, ah, oh, we need to cancel our plans on Valentine's Day. Uh, and, yeah, overall, I think, yeah, just... It was good to have the weekend back. Okay, Scott, get to you quickly, yeah. and then we'll talk about just round quickly. Three. I know I know a lot of people t- try and keep track of who's remaining in the cup and all the rest of it. Now to mention it was a rough weekend for the Sunshine Coast, and it really was because six of the nine teams competing this weekend actually from Sunshine Coast went down. So there's only five remaining now. You factor in there were 13 teams who had the bye. There's only five remaining now from the Sunshine Coast. There's only two remaining from Southwest Queensland. So it was a tough weekend for those two those two regions. The other two, Gold Coast did slightly better. They had six of 11 teams, five out of 11 teams progressing through. I beg your pardon. And, and um, 13 teams from Brisbane progressed through. So 
it was a pretty good it was a pretty good weekend for Gold Coast football and Brisbane football. Not so for the Sunshine Coast in particular, and also the Toowoomba region. Definitely. Okay, moving on to round three. Uh, this is all just for the southeast zone of uh, Queensland as well. We should point out there are a whole lot of other uh, ties going on in regional. I don't think they've Queensland. been played yet, have they? I couldn't see. I them thought anywhere. there was some on the. Well, there are still some uh, to come and be played anyway, but there is a lot to look forward to coming up in round three, which I found out is on this weekend. However, as a favour to everyone's ears, I will not be commentating this weekend. I'm having a weekend uh, a weekend away before things get really hectic down here. But there will be six ties that are streamed on the Football Queensland website. And before we get into... Um, which ones those are? Scott, which ones are you looking forward to? Well, this is interesting because this is the weekend where the F2, FQPL2 clubs begin their FFA Cup path. So there's a few of those teams involved here and I think they're the ones to keep an eye on. I think the one that I saw earlier was, was it Magic United and um, and Talabudra. That'll be interesting to yep. see because I'm not sure how... I don't think Magic were in the um, Gold Coast football senior competitions last year, so it'll be interesting to see where they're at as a first step, but mostly it's to see, looking ahead to the FQPL2 season, how the um, how those clubs go. I think a few of them are on the road as well, so some good tests for them, but I think that's what I'm looking forward to seeing, just seeing what the standard of those teams are. Definitely. Um, Adam, before we go to you quickly, the uh, ties that are getting streamed on the Football Queensland and FFA Cup social pages, etc. Friday, Logan Metro against Coomera Colts. Uh, Coomer, of course, did game. make the yeah round of 32 two years ago, or at the last completed edition of the FFA Cup. Uh, Caloundra FC against Rockville Rovers uh, kicks off a Saturday triple header. Uh, Surface Paradise Apollo against the Gap, another phenomenal tie. That's at 5pm. North Star taking on Albany Creek Excelsior. Um, then Sunday, Ripley Valley against Sanford Rangers. And then the Lakes FC against Burley Heads closing out the weekend's action. So whole lot of FFA Cup action for us to continue to recap for you next week. We probably should keep moving, though. And in the interest of time, I think we'll, uh, we should move on quickly to the announcement of the NPL, FQPL, uh, and all the other Football Queensland fixtures for the season. Now, we are closing in on about 50 minutes right now, so we'll try and keep this as brief as possible, but... NPL men's competition is back the weekend of Friday the 5th of March and they're starting with a bang. We were talking about this before we started recording and Adam, I can't find a bad tie in that uh, opening weekend, can you? No, it is. Um, if they, if the FQ want to go off, uh, kick off the 2021 season with you know, a massive bang, this is this is the round. Um, th- there's three massive games, and, and I think the rest, I think as well, they're going to be some good ties. But um, kicking off the Friday night uh, is Peninsula Power and Logan Lightning for the Football Foundation Cup. Um, I, I think I said a few weeks ago that while I think Peninsula Power will start heavy favourites, Logan Lightning actually have got a very, very decent record at AJ Kelly Park. So I would not be shocked if there's a upset or even a sniff of an upset on there. And then Saturday night sees uh, Lions FC and Gold Coast Knights. And then on Sunday, um, we see Olympic v Gold Coast United. I think that's three games that we will probably most likely have live coverage of. Yeah, it's a great start to the NPL season. So those three games which Adam mentioned there are the headline headline grabbers, but there's also some ones at the towards potentially the middle to the boards, the bottom end of the table, which may be hugely significant in six months' time. Looking back on them, you've got Strikers v Magpies and Sunshine Coast v Kapalabar. They're, they're teams who most people kind of think might be closer towards the bottom than the top this, this season. So those are huge. If you can get three points straight off the bat in those fixtures, it's a it's a huge boost for those teams. But it's it's a great first round of fixtures. It's just everywhere you look, it's going to be is is a there's a good storyline there, and I think it's going to be another great season. We'll talk more about it on our season preview coming up, but it's a perfect way to start the season. Yeah, I I can't wait. There's going to be so much to uh, get excited about, and I'm going to assume I'm assuming I'm not jumping the gun and t- making an educated guess that NPL TV will be back in 2021 as well. So. Good news is there is plenty of ways to watch live local football. Although getting out to the grounds as well would be 
Uh, much appreciated. And that's something that the Raw NPL side are going to be doing. Uh, I had a look at the draw, and it seems like most of their home matches will be played at the venue of the away club. Uh, so that'll be a good way for the Raw to get out and about, and hopefully you can see some uh, future A-League Makes stars. Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it's a good thing. I, I think it even... Um... I even think I haven't looked that far into the draw yet, but even like two trips to Mackay potentially this year for for the Raw. Um, yeah, I look at the end of the day, I think with no obvious home ground, and you don't want to be having like a third team down on the Gold Coast. So for them to travel around, I think it's a great opportunity as well um, for, for for the local club, all local clubs at least, you know, have a. You know, to have that, that raw home game on their venue, because it means you know, another sort of, you know, I guess, revenue sort of raise as far as, far as that. And, that. and that's so important to those clubs. Definitely. Okay. Well, we will be doing a special NPL season preview coming up next soon. week, maybe, or soon. Anyway, um, we'll move on to the women's side of the NPL uh, competition. And I want to you know, quickly mention the two... Uh, standout uh, matches for me for the opening round the sneaky intriguing game Western Pride against Moreton Bay and it's been a while since we've been able to say that about Moreton Bay but they've done some pretty decent recruiting I feel and Western Pride are back into the NPL as well having largely raided a couple of uh, BWPL clubs so there's a lot to look forward to there Um, I spoke with their uh, coach late last year as well and I'm pretty sure you can find that episode on our podcast feed and of course it's hard to go past you know for the feature match of that opening round the Shea Connors derby Logan Lightning Lions FC a match between the two teams that made the grand final last year that is not a grand final rematch it is and for those unaware Shea Connors has moved from Logan Lightning to Lions FC if you missed that so that's what James is referring to it is an interesting interesting um, first weekend it's just this is really a 17 game sprint isn't it James given the fact that there are a lot more teams in the competition this year in the league. He's going to split into two for an FQPLW as well after they've all played each other once. So you've got to get off to a good start here. The interesting thing will be to see how the new teams in the competition go up against the the, um, the more established clubs. I think Brisbane City's home clash against Sunshine Coast might also be a very interesting one, obviously with Ski Hannafin moving to Brisbane City and taking a fairly strong squad with him. So that's another intriguing clash from the first weekend. Definitely, and just back to the uh, Logan Lions game, I'm fairly confident that the Logan bench will be perfectly respectful and quiet towards Shea Connors. Why can't you let bygones minutes. be bygones? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the thing is, actually, uh, Scott and I have been talking, we're talking about this um, up Dolphin on um, Sunday. This is going to be a very, very intriguing competition, the MPLW, to the race before the split, because I think we may see... A couple of surprises, you know, ending up in uh, FQPLW. Uh, that there's a, a number of teams that, you know, that have been traditional powerhouses that could, um, if they if they struggle, may find themselves in the second tier. So it's going to be intriguing, and uh, results are going to be at a premium. Yeah, getting off to a good start is more imperative than ever with the competition splitting as the season goes along, and. Yeah, I, I really can't wait to see how this season uh, comes to a conclusion. We'll uh, have to move on from our local football talk there, even though we probably could do another hour on just the draws and the ties that we're all looking forward to. Half an hour every Sunday night during yep. the season. Yep. Uh, yeah, Starting the March Sunday 10th. <laughs> Definitely. I will be tuning in every week as I did when I had the time and remembered to listen. <laughs> and now... Yeah, as you can tell, a I'm, I'm, starting endorsement. To get, I'm starting to get to that really tired and punchy stage. So what do you say uh, we move on? And in the interest of trying to keep this under an hour, let's talk about the Raw's clash with Sydney FC in the A-League Saturday afternoon. Now, there have been a few fixture changes uh, relating to the Raw in Match Week 9 and Match Week 10. Um, with the A-League, the clash, as we mentioned, with Melbourne City has been postponed to a later date down at Amy Park and now the Raw are travelling to Perth but the good news is this weekend hasn't changed which means we've been spared from some of the uh, whiny more entitled segments of the fan base complaining that oh this impacts me this really sucks I was planning on going to that game but this impacts me let's talk about Sydney instead yes exactly 
uh, before I say anything that might get me in trouble. Yes. I'm saving okay. you here. Talk punchy. <laughs> yeah. what, what can I say? It's almost past my bedtime. Now, uh, yeah, Raw Sydney FC, look, it's not the ideal fixture to be going into on the back of having not scored in two matches. Big question is, does Warren Moon stick with three at the back or do, does he have something special planned for this Sydney FC side, Adam? Yeah, look, it's interesting uh, how how they play, but I think Warren Moon probably be more looking at how uh, how to get the best out of his squad, so rather than trying to sort of counteract Sydney. Yeah, Sydney have been in they've been in, in decent form. Starting, they, they had a bit of a sort of a shaky sort of start if we call it that, but I think they're they're starting to find their way again. So I think they they're going to be they're going to be dangerous. Um, and I think it's more up to the raw to play their uh, to their strengths and to. But rather than so worrying about what Sydney are going to do. Yeah, they're still a benchmark Sydney, aren't they, despite the slow by their standards start to the new season. But they're still a tremendous side and they are picking up a bit of pace. Now, I don't think Warren Moon will change too much, James, to be honest with you. I think I think he's found something here that he trusts and he likes. And I, I think they've been playing really well despite the results of the last couple of games and the lack of goals because I think... If, if the wind wasn't so bad, I don't go back to this excuse again. If the wind wasn't so bad on Sunday, I think they win that game against Newcastle and they do, do so quite comfortably. So I think there's not a lot wrong at the moment. I think it's it's time to show a bit of faith in that that and just trust that, that it will come good in this game on Saturday? Saturday night? Saturday, Saturday, Saturday night, night against Sydney. So I think just show a bit of faith that it all that it, the ship will ride itself on Saturday night because I don't think there's a lot wrong. Yeah, I feel I like overall... Frank can... Barry will come back in for daily, of course back to the strongest midfield. I'm honestly not sure there's too much of a difference between Akbari and Daly, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I honestly just think they each offer different things. Like, you're not asking either of them to run the midfield. Their job is literally to be the number three in the trio. It just seems like Akbari is the preferred option at the moment, though. Oh, no, I agree. I'm just saying, I could very easily see them saying, no, we'll give Daly a bit of a run now. But, um, yeah, obviously, look, we talked about this you know, a while ago, I'd love to see Masato Kudo get a little bit more of a run. The problem is, I'm not really sure Wenzel Halls or McDonald have done enough to justify being sent to the bench. So the question is, how do you try and fit them in? I think you just you got to start building up Masato Kudo's time off the bench. You got to start building. You start 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour, and you keep going. And then if, if Wenzel Halls and McDonald keep playing so well that they keep Masato Kudo out of the starting lineup, James, that's a that's a great thing. That means you've got two informed quality strikers banging the goals away. So that's not a bad thing if those two are able to hold their spots for the remainder of the season. It, you know, they just need to start building up some of the fitness of the players off the bench. I'd also like to see a bit more of Joey Champ as well. I think ever since that first game against Newcastle, where he had to get left out because of the loan agreement, he hasn't really got much time since then, if you think about it, because he, he was starting before that, and since then he hasn't really got a lot of game time. So I'd like to see him get more of an opportunity as well because I feel like he can be a real X-factor with his pace. Definitely. We say this pretty much every week, but it is a fantastic problem for Warren Moon to have where he's got to try and work out how to fit everybody in. Isn't that right, Adam? Yeah, and that's I think it's, it's a great problem to have. Um, yeah, and I think, uh, if anything, I think um, because of his enforced layoffs now because of the Newcastle loan agreement, um, I think Joe Champs has probably been the victim of um, the success of that front three of uh, McDonald, Wenzel Halls, and Denzaki. I think that's the, I think that's the um, the crux of it. And yeah, I think it's up to him now to sort of play his way back in contention. But yeah, great problem to have for the Roar. And I think it's been a while since we've actually been able to say that you know they've, they've actually got an attacking. Uh, I guess attacking sort of formation that's actually doing so well it's kind of back to the days where you had Enrique and Lustiker or Petrados or someone off the bench isn't it you think back to that team which might have won a double with James they always had those really good reliable options to come off the bench and it seems like they're all getting back to that now which I guess tells you that the depth in the, in the match day 15 if you like is is really quite strong and there's, there's options there you look and think yeah that player can do a really good job in the given circumstances yeah, absolutely. The one point I will say, just purely for an argument's sake, say Moon decides to go back to a back four and uh, you know go for that sort of four, two, three, one, or however you want to describe it, that's how I could see Champ uh, making his way back into that starting lineup because 
again, I'm just saying, because it's Sydney, I'm not ruling out Moon saying, well, look, we might have to try and, I suppose, control the game a little bit more. And I could see that that would be the justification I would have in my mind. And just, again, hypothetically, if you put Truen on the bench just purely because you don't want to take Aldred and Gillespie out, that could be the way to get Joey Champness in because then it gives you that attacking front four of Riku, McDonald, uh, Champness, and Dylan Wenzel-Halls. So uh, that, that would be, be the change I would make. It'd be um, tough on Kai Truen. I, I get it yeah. from, you know, from a... Yeah, tactical, uh, a tactical sort of shift, but yeah, that'd be tough because tr- other than sort of that, yeah, other than the unfortunate moment and the uh, that what we're calling the empty net goal basically against Macarthur, he's been very good, so he'd be very unlucky. But of course, yeah, like I said, I also do agree that if you're going to get you know an attacking another attacking player in, um, or even you know having having the four, you know midfielders, if you both uh, Gillespie, I don't Gillespie, uh, sorry, uh, Daly like and Akbari. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. He seems to be lumbering in there. Um, yeah, that that basically that that's he's probably the guy that's going to have to be sacrificed. So be very unlucky, but look, it's uh, you got like I said at the end of the day, they've got to trust in Warren Moon's judgment. Yeah, absolutely. And look, by and large, he's given us plenty of reason to trust his judgment. Uh, I yeah, that's just a quick thought I had as well about you know maybe trying to do that. And obviously, if you are benching Kai True, and it's not uh, punishment for poor form or anything. It is just purely a tactical switch where he is still the third choice central defender in this squad. Does Sydney play one up front or is it two? Because it's well, uh, two last time I checked. Because uh, I know Barbaros they had Patrick Wood up there last time, but I don't. It's, but that could change this week as well with Babo. Oh yeah, Babo's back. Yes, that's that's right. Yeah, he's he's out probably of comes in. He probably yeah. comes in off the bench. It's interesting because if they're going to play, if they play three up front or with two wingers, maybe you do need the. Maybe it might. Maybe four at the back. It depends. If you do you want your do you want do you want Hingit and Brown to be attacking or do you want them to be defending? That's what I think it comes down to. Yeah. That's what it comes and down to. Do you want them focused primarily with defensively covering the two wingers or do you want them pushing more forward? That's that's the that's the crux of it. I can I can see Sydney starting with the two up top in Barbarossa and Bahaja, but um, yeah, look, you're right. I think Babo at some point will um, will play a part, which means it may need to be an in-game switch. Technically, yeah. you're right. Um, There's a very very different animal. Uh, the two up front versus the three, you know, the uh, the striker and two wingers. So it may be a case of a shift in tactics during the game, um, especially depending on the game situation. All right, so Warren, we know you've listened to at least five minutes of this show in your life, so now you know how to attack Sydney FC. Uh, the one final team. Think you're over on that estimate by about four minutes and fifty nine seconds, there, James. <laughs> I don't know how long how long have his interviews on it, uh, our show has been. Yeah, but oh, that, you said listen, not feature. <laughs> yeah, true. Anyway, uh, I have one final question for the two of you relating to this fixture. Considering uh, that it's not long for this world by the sounds of it, will Wenzel Halls go after Ryan Grant's... Oh, sorry, Ryan Grant's mullet before he shaves it off for the world's greatest shave? Oh, That's... please! Please! Oh, I hope so. <laughs> he should. I hope, he, I hope he starts the cut. <laughs> We're yanking it out. <laughs> Dylan, do it. <laughs> there we go. Given the response it got last time, I would, I would absolutely go again. Yep. I hold, would hold, hold, off. hold up a strand like a trophy. I would hold off uh, doing anything like that until Aurora possibly two goals clear with five minutes to play. <laughs> because Sydney's still, you know, I'm just scarred from the last few seasons just seeing them be that annoyingly good where you don't really want to give them any extra motivation. Okay, we need to wrap up. So, Scott, what are we going to be talking about this time next week? Another draw. I'll get a point down there in Sydney on Saturday. Adam, what are we going to be talking about? Yeah, look, I agree with Scott. It'll be hard-earned draw. I think uh, this, I don't think uh, Sydney are as ominous and as scary as they once were, but I still think they're, they're very, very good. But I don't think the Raw fear them. I, I'm going to say Raw break their gold drought, but Sydney come away 2-1 victors as Bobo marks his return with a goal. And that's probably got me suspended from next week's show. But look, if, if I'm being honest, I, I do think the Raw will be better for their break between matches, but yeah, I just I don't think Sydney are going to let them really just come at them on the blitz like they have 
uh, like they were able to against Melbourne Victory and Adelaide. Okay. Yeah, no suspension there, because that, that allows us, if that happens, we can get out the Bobo, Mr. S- Mr. Burns, Simpson references for next week. So that's, that sets us up perfectly. Also true. All right, that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Adam. Yep, thanks, uh, gentlemen. Thanks, Scott. Good to talk to you both once again. Definitely. Okay, Scott, I'll let you go watch what's remaining of the tennis. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, remember to check us out on the A-League Live app as well. Please be on there. And, yeah, we'll uh, be back to talk to you next Wednesday as we're recapping what is hopefully another successful weekend of Brisbane Raw Action Plus FFA Cup and more. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening.